This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. As U.S. COVID cases top 37 million, we turn to look at a shocking story out of California. On Saturday, one person was stabbed at least, perhaps two. Two journalists uh, were attacked while covering an anti-vaccine, anti-mask protest outside Los Angeles City Hall. The protest was attended by members of the Proud Boys and other right-wing groups. KPCC radio reporter Frank Stoltz was assaulted while doing an interview. He had his glasses ripped off, was repeatedly kicked. He said nothing like this had ever happened in his 30 years of reporting. Huffington Post is reporting a Southern California mortgage broker named Tony Moon was videotaped attacking the independent journalist Tina Desiree Berg. Moon was also seen screaming, unmask them all. The Huffington Post reports Moon was also in Washington on January 6, during the insurrection at the Capitol. We go now to Los Angeles, where we're joined by Tina Desiree Berg, the local Los Angeles reporter at Status Coup News. Tina, welcome to Democracy Now! Um, can you talk about what happened this weekend? Just take us through um, the protest and then what happened to you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it was a wild day. I got there about 45 minutes before the violence actually started uh, because I had been—I had just released a story that morning, Saturday, where one of our gubernatorial candidates, uh, Sarah Stevens, she had been involved with another press beating in front of the Wee Spa almost three weeks ago. I had filmed that beating, um, and it, coincidentally, the folks that did it had posted body cam footage of themselves inside the vehicle as they were leaving, and they posted it on social media. So when I saw that, I knew who had been responsible. Um, but but one of the persons in the vehicle was Sarah Stevens. She's running for governor right now. Uh, and we were able to identify her not only through her license plate, but also through uh, video surrounding the incident where you see her on the sidewalk. So my intention that morning was to go down, since she was one of the keynote speakers, uh, and maybe try to talk to her, her about what, what happened at WeSpot two weeks before, because I think that's a newsworthy um, conversation to have if you're running for governor. But we never made it that far. Uh, so initially on the sidewalk, a group of uh, me and other reporters were standing there. There had been some skateboarders that had been going up and down uh, First Street and Spring Street. And they were preteens, kids. Uh, maybe the oldest was 15, it seemed to me. I didn't videotape much of them because I generally don't videotape children. But um, at one point, one of the Proud Boys, uh, his name is Benjamin Patino, came across the street and started harassing one of the skateboarders and calling them Antifa. So these guys, they have a broad brush with what, what they state to be Antifa. They see Antifa where there's no Antifa often in my experience. So uh, he started harassing one of these skateboarders and somebody that is in black block came to this uh, kid's defense and pushed Patino away. Patino ran back across the street, but then he came back over uh, with Adam Kiefer, who is another proud boy, Tony Moon, who is a uh, capital insurrectionist, and a group of other folks, and I'm not sure who all of the other ones were. And that's when uh, you had the incident of one of them came up to me, called me a B-I-T-C-H, I'm not sure if we can say that, and he punched me uh, in the camera. Uh, but I kept filming, then Tony Moon came over, and he had been hitting another woman with his water bottle, and I tried to intervene a little bit while I was filming because I could see she had a bloody head. She had been hit in the head. And so then he started uh, screaming, unmask them all. He ripped my mask off and 
manhandled me or shoved me a little bit. Uh, but then I kept filming. And right after that, you'll notice in the background of the video, there is a uh, counter protester um, who is pro-vaccine who was looks like he's getting beaten by fists. But it turns out that that individual had a shank of some sort in his hand and was actually trying to stab him. So that's the second stabbing. The first stabbing had happened earlier. I didn't catch it on uh, video, but I did see uh, the gentleman coming by from behind, walking towards the police officers, and you can see there's blood on his shirt. And then he's collapsed in the street and they're giving him aid. So as far as I know, there's definitely two stabbings. There might be more that I didn't quite catch, but it was a very violent scene. And um, it's interesting to me because some of these characters, including Tony Moon, he was also incidentally at that same We Spa event where this other press member was hit on the back of the head with a lead pipe. Tony Moon was there that day also with a water bottle and he uh, struck a counter protester with that. So it's, it's, I think it's interesting, Amy, that this is a group that has been traveling around Southern California. They've also been up in Sacramento. They have also been up in Portland and they instigate violence wherever they go. And again, these are, they're right wingers. They're definitely part of the group that supported Trump, but I don't think this is solely about Trump anymore or necessarily anti-vaccine. I think that they're just latching on from um, one movement to the next, and they're kind of coalesced around this idea of freedom. And you'll notice that they all have these gators on that are covering their faces. They're not trying to prevent the spread of COVID. They're trying to stop themselves from being identified. Tell us more about the direct attack on you and how you know um, who Tony Moon is and that he was at the insurrection uh, January 6th at the Capitol. Yeah, so I uh, know who Tony Moon is because he had been at that We Spa event two weeks earlier. After I saw him hit the woman with the water bottle, I got online and started to research uh, who he was. And I saw that he had been at the Capitol January 6th because he had posted video of himself on his social media showing that he had been. And there was also a clip in the parlor archive uh, that's on ProPublica where, uh, where you see him in that video. So he was definitely there. And I think it also bears mentioning that he identifies himself as Roof Korean. And that is a very racist trope that goes back to the beating of Rodney King. So uh, he's definitely identifying himself as a group that's already radical right, racist, um, doing violence. So yeah, he was there at We Spa. We looked into who he was. And then when I saw him coming up to me, I said, oh, there's there's Tony Moon. That's the roof Korean guy that was at We Spa a couple weeks ago. But I will say this, he seemed much more violent and radicalized Saturday morning. I, I think also maybe there's a um, double meaning to unmask them because we were all wearing masks for protections. I had my surgical mask on. I think his idea is that not only are we unmasking you because we're anti-vaxxers and we're anti-maskers and we see this as a, an infringement to freedom, but also they, um, they're they very vested in this idea of doxing and exposing anybody that is against you know, their beliefs. Now, randomly, of course, I use my real name, so there's not much to dox there, but um, I do think that's why he was screaming unmask them all. It wasn't solely because of the, the mask to prevent uh, COVID transmission. I want to throw to a clip of the attack on you that you yourself filmed. Yeah, so the first guy that came up and punched me uh, was not Tony Moon. It was another gentleman. He came right up to the camera. He called me the B word and hit me. 
uh, backed away back where the guys were. So he absolutely targeted me for some reason. I'm not sure why that is. Um, and then, you know, maybe 20, 30 seconds later, Tony Moon was right there. So when he came up to me, you could tell his intention was to pull down, and he did pull it down, my mask. Uh, and I had put up my goggles at that point as well because somebody had been using bear mace. Um, and in fact, I believe it was the anti-vaxxer that was stabbed that had used bear mace because I do have video of him earlier using bear mace and spraying people. This is a tactic that the Proud Boys have deployed uh, for many months now. So we've seen it at various, various different protests where they pull out bear mace and they mace people. So um, so he did successfully pull my mask down. He was, like I said, hitting that other woman. Um, you'll see she has a bloody head and just kind of escalated from there and started screaming, unmask them all. And I also think it's interesting that if you look at the video, you see that they all have orange armbands on and that their uh, water bottles are, are all orange. So obviously orange is a significant color for them. I don't know if they're coordinating with it, but you will see they have orange armbands. And it sort of is reminiscent of January 6th at the Capitol because that day the Proud Boys had been marking themselves with orange gaffer tape or, or orange beanies on their heads. And they had, uh, at that point, Enrique Tario had told everybody to show up dressed not as they normally would in their Proud Boy attire, but into, you know, sort of an Antifa in disguise. And they had been marking themselves ergo with the orange color, whether it was the tape, the gaffer tape, or the beanies. I don't know that there's a crossover here with uh, the group that was with Tony Moon, but I do think it's interesting that they all had orange armbands on. How did you personally feel when this was happening to you? I mean, this was a anti-mask, anti-vax rally. Um, they're pulling down your mask. I was actually very concerned about uh, in the moment, because you know that these folks aren't vaccinated. I am absolutely fully vaccinated, but there's still a chance of transmission. And that's actually—I've been hit before. You know, when you're on the in the field covering things, it's something that sometimes happens. So. This is not the first time I've been hit uh, doing my job, but I was really concerned that they were willing to get so close to me and get into my face and pull down my mask. And they, you know, higher chance, obviously, that they're infected with COVID that, since they're not vaccinated. So that's actually more scary to me than than being punched. I do not want to get COVID. Right. So uh, it was it was a violation of personal space. But I was just very focused on getting the uh, video and staying focused on what I was filming in that moment. Tina Desiree Berg, where were the police? You were right in front of LAPD yeah. headquarters. That's right. That's right. So I think that's a significant part of the story. We were—so uh, City Hall is stationed exactly across the street from LAPD headquarters, and where this melee happened is in the sidewalk and the street area right in front of the headquarters. The police had been there all morning. Um, when I got there, there was uh, probably five or six uh, cruisers lined up with officers in them. So they were absolutely present, and I don't know what the delay was as far as, uh, you know, not responding to what was going on. But they did not initially respond. And then track— the people, some of the people that you saw there at this protest, along the coast, from California to Oregon to Washington. Right. So the main uh, guy that you see coming out—OK, so there's Patino that came across the street, Benjamin Patino, and messed with the skateboarder kid and then went back. Then you see another one appear. His name is Adam Kiefer. He's actually part of uh, a more violent group that I've seen. And in fact, uh, related to this, I was covering another anti-vax protest in, in West Hollywood a couple of weeks ago, and Adam Kiefer came across the street towards me and two other journalists and started uh, threatening us. Uh, I have some video of that, and in it you'll see him say, 
why are you throwing rocks at me? And which nobody was doing. Obviously, none of us were throwing rocks. And I respond to Adam, I'm not throwing rocks. Nobody here is throwing rocks. We're just journalists. Uh, and then they ended up getting more uh, aggressive. We ended up running into the Trader Joe's and seeking refuge in there. That They actually had to shut down the store for a few minutes um, until they called the sheriff's department to show up. But uh, so I've seen him there. I have seen him in Huntington Beach. He's part of a group that's been at the Huntington Beach rallies. Those were happening every week during the uh, run up to the uh, general election. They were pro-Trump. Uh, he's been in Beverly Hills assaulting people. They also had weekly um, rallies there at the Beverly Garland Park, which is right uh, off of Wilshire Boulevard. So I also have filmed him in Sacramento being violent, beating up people. So this is somebody that's definitely traveled around. Uh, so it's it's interesting to me, though, that at this point, Amy, that these guys are very dedicated to what they're doing. And I don't know that if you'd asked them five or six years ago if they were anti-vaccine, that they would respond with an affirmative. I think this is just one more um, cause that they've picked up because they do see it as a violation of their freedoms. Tina, how does this whole uh, protest movement uh, dovetail with the recall Governor Newsom movement? That's, yeah, that's an excellent question. So, they, because this was, they called this a freedom rally, and that was part of the equation was that we're going to also have candidates that are running for governor here that are against Newsom. So, recalled Newsom is definitely gaining speed here in California. Uh, you know, Sarah Stevens, which is the candidate that I mentioned earlier, she was involved with uh, another Proud Boy, Aaron Simmons, at this We Spot assault. She drove the getaway car. Um, so she's definitely tied with these guys. I was down in uh, San Diego a couple of weeks ago trying to film a uh, Mike Pompeo was here and he was doing a rally for uh, Larry Elder, who is actually tracking number one right now to win if uh, Newsom is recalled. It was an event uh, that was hosted by a Christian Zionist group. Uh, Jewish Voice for Peace and the Palestinian Youth Movement joined together to do a counter protest and rally. So I went down to film that. I covered uh, the speeches uh, and part of the march. But when we got to where Mike Pompeo was speaking, where Larry Elders was speaking, there was a group that had set up some sort of a, a phony barricade in front of the street so we couldn't get further. And as you approach them, they were in much the same way you saw them menacing on Saturday. They were, they were menacing us and egging people on, come here, we, you know, very angry way. Um, I researched some of those guys. There was one named Mike Fosano, who is also a proud boy. He is also a uh, member of the American Guard, which is a um, designated hate group from the Southern Poverty Law Center. He was one of them. He bear-maced me. He hit me, uh, hit my phone out of my hand. Um, and I'm sure that there were others there that I didn't see that traveled down from Orange County, what have you. But this is definitely a widespread thing here in California, and I think it's probably shocking for a lot of folks outside of the state because they see California as being a uh, you know liberal progressive state. But we do have an element of very hard right folks here, and they do uh, they have become much more vocal under the Trump administration. So can you also tell us about what happened? I believe it was right at the same time as the insurrectionists were storming the Capitol, that there were local protests around the country. And the attack on the black trans woman in L.A., how this fits into the story—her name was Berlinda. She was 25 years That's old. Right. She said a large group of pro-Trump supporters attacked her. That is absolutely correct. So she had—and I filmed this. I was there for that protest. Uh, my co-worker, co associate John Farina, was in the Capitol shooting that day. 
Um, so he was actually in the tunnel when the police officer had his head uh, squished filming that. And I remember at the end of the day where I was, I called Jordan and I said, I just filmed a hate crime. And Jordan's like, you obviously haven't turned into what's happening in D.C. This, uh, today. And I'm like, no, is it worse? And he said, yes, um, as an aside. But Berlinda had just been walking down the street um, because she lives in the area. And they came up to her. They held her back. They sprayed her with bear mace. And the worst part of it is a group of them grabbed her weave off of her head and one of them was holding up the weave and screaming, this is the first scalping of the new civil war. It was one of the most appalling things I've ever witnessed, uh, just appalling. And she was one of two individuals that I saw bear mace that day. They did uh, bear mace a second black individual that was walking through the, through the park. But here's where this ties into the LAPD and where they bring their clear bias to the skirmish line. So uh, she went up to Stabile, who is one of the commanding officers for that division, and wanted to, you know, say, look, I was just assaulted. This is what happened. Um, and Stabil says to her, and I have all of this on video, Stabil says to her, well, you can file a um, citizen's arrest. So at that point, I interrupted because I thought I thought that was pretty appalling. I said, Stabil, that's what you do if there's no probable cause. There's clear probable cause here. We have the whole thing on video. How is this not a hate crime? And, you know, to this day, the LAPD has not investigated this particular thing, or at least, as far as I know, brought charges in regards to this. Now, if you go to Stabile's personal social media, you will see very clearly that he is pro-Trump, that he is uh, talks a lot about Antifa and how Antifa is bad. He's definitely, you know, making posts in regards to being anti-mask. And he's not the only one. There's another one in this division who's named Sergeant Helper. And he also has a private inst uh, or a separate uh, Instagram and Twitter where he posts some of the same similar sentiments. So I think there's definitely a problem that's being crossed over here when you have police officers that are in command and they want to bring their personal bias to the skirmish line. They're going to, you know, uh, let these guys get away with a certain level of violence before they step in. And we've seen it time and time again. And I can say without equivocation, if the reverse was happening, if this was BLM activists, if this was um, Antifa or Black Bloc, they would be uh, pulling their weapons and making arrests and beating people. I That's just not a controversial statement. So I think it is really a problem inside the LAPD at this point. And finally, um, if you could elaborate on what happened in July, um, the Korean spa called We Spa becoming a center of attacks, what's its significance and what happened? So this is a very significant part of the story because it's, again, part of the same group of individuals, right? So there had been a, a customer that had come into We Spa and she was—you see a video that circulated, I think Tucker Carlson at one point picked it up. But she comes out and she claims that there's a pedophile, a trans individual in, in the dressing room and that, uh, you know, she's worried about children, this kind of a thing. So they staged uh, counter protests and protests in front of WeSpa. Now, I did talk to the security at WeSpa. They do have transgender, transgender clients that attend WeSpa. There was no transgender clients present that day when this uh, video was shot. So it, there's a uh, general feeling, and this is also coming from the LAPD, that that's actually not an authentic video. Um, I have not been able to verify that. That's just what I'm being told by security and what the conclusions have been thus far from the investigation. But uh, this, you know, we had a group that have now combined with these other guys, and they're very religious, right? So they were—I uh, have video of one gal, she's screaming, you're animals, uh, you're going to burn in hell. 
there was another gentleman that had a weapon sort of fashioned. Uh, it just uh, you have to see the the audio or the uh, video of this. It, it looks like a giant rosary where uh, instead of the beads being very small, they're very large. They're like about an inch. Uh, inch and a half, two inches in diameter, and he's hitting people with these things and screaming, "You're an abomination! You're an abomination! You're animals!" You know, so very violent uh, and religiously motivated bigotry. And of course, now you have the second layer of these proud boys and these other folks, right wingers, coming in and and joining the fray and banding together with these guys. Um, at this, in, in fact, at the second protest, we saw Bay Spartan was there with them. Bay Spartan is, as you know, is. Somebody that's been a subject even of a Vice article, he was up in Portland wearing kind of a, a Trojan outfit. He lives down here in Southern California. I've seen him at many of these protests as well, hitting people. So, so yeah, so the We Spot thing's significant, and Tony Moon was there as well. You know, he was, um, again, hit, he hit a woman there with a water bottle as well. So the violence, these two violent situations, I think, are conjoined. And also because of the Sarah Stevens element, where she was part of the uh, lead pipe attack against Rocky Romano, who is the press member that was hit on the back of the head. She was driving the getaway car. We've confirmed that. So I, it's just wild to me, Amy, that that this is what 2021 is bringing us. Um, if you had told me six months ago, even you know three months ago, that this would be the level of escalation of violence we would be seeing, I probably would have thought, mm, maybe not. But I feel now very strongly that at some point somebody's probably going to get shot because these are turning into full-blown sort of prison-level street brawls in the street. Let me finally ask you, do you think that women reporters are being particularly uh, targeted, like yourself? Absolutely. I think that's definitely the case. Um, you know, I think it's either uh, smaller men or definitely women. And in fact, I was talking with Adam Rose from the L.A. Press Club about this because he's noticed there's an escalation of violence against female reporters um, across the board. So I do think that's true, mainly because they I was hit twice in that uh, period of two minutes and the male journalists were not, although they did go up and attack Frank later on in the day while he was doing an interview um, in that first initial uh, brawl out in the front of LAPD headquarters, they were not necessarily going after the male reporters at the same level. They were, however, punching um, all of the counter-protesters, male or female. Well, Tina Desiree Berg, I want to thank you for being with us. Final question, does this deter you from going out and covering what's happening, especially among the Proud Boys? Uh, no, it doesn't. And I'll tell you why, Amy. People need to see what's going on. And if I let them control what I do, then they then they kind of win the conversation. That's that's the point of what they're doing, right? To intimidate, to, to stop. They don't want the press. They don't want people filming them. They don't want to be exposed for their violent actions. And so the intention of what they're doing is to try to silence me and other journalists like me from from covering what they're doing. And I I absolutely am not deterred from doing it. I will, however, be uh, much more aware take more probably safety precautions. You know, I go out now with a full set of safety precautions now that I never did before. I never used to wear any a flak vest. I never used to wear a helmet. This just didn't seem like necessary. I'm not in a war zone, right? But maybe maybe that's the case. Maybe this is where the United States is heading right now because I feel that these groups are becoming more radicalized as time goes by. And I think the next thing that we're going to see, here, at least here in California, is sort of stop the steal California, California edition, right? Because if Newsom does prevail 
and he does not get recalled, I think we're going to see a whole host of these guys coming out and saying that it's a rigged election, that the election uh, results are false. And it won't matter whether there's any underlying uh, evidence to prove that. And, Tina, just to be clear, since you have so much of this video and have shown it, have tweeted it out, and we've been showing it throughout this interview, was anyone arrested for attacking you? No. Has any, was anyone arrested for bloodying the other woman? No. Was anyone arrested for the knifing? No. Um, that's the thing. Nobody's been arrested. So I know that the LAPD is now looking for suspects in both stabbings. Uh, apparently, which was, this is surprising to me, they, they're, they're saying yesterday during the police commissioner's hearing that they weren't aware of the second stabbing, but that they are now and they're going to look for the uh, attackers. But here's the thing that's troublesome about this. The, the attackers were there present that day, and if they had been arrested, detained, or dealt with, we'd know who they are. But now it's going to be very difficult to chase them down because they were all covered up. You can't really—it's uh, hard to decide who these folks are, because they have the gators up over their head. They have hats on, uh, goggles, what have you. It's going to be very hard to identify them. So waiting to um, follow up on these acts of violence is very detrimental to the investigation. Tina Desiree Berg, local Los Angeles reporter at Status Quo News. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. Thanks for joining us. 